Hey there, welcome back to How I Got Hired. My name is Sonal, I hope you're well and today's episode is a little bit different. I am going to sit in the seat of the guest and I'm going to be interviewed by my friend Jules White. I'm going to talk about her in a second and today basically what we're doing is we're going to talk about my career because I do get these questions once in a while. Hey Sonal, so how did you go from like India to Uruguay to you know PwC in Chile and then France and then Belgium <laughs> like what's going on so we actually go even further back and i talk about how uh, i knew that i wanted to be in hr at this young age of 18 and you know moving around the world what exactly happened and how did i get hired in these roles so basically jules is doing to me what i do to every guest <laughs> that is peel back the layers and frankly speaking this is one of the most forthcoming honest conversations i've ever had in public and it gets quite deep actually it gets quite personal i hope this is useful for you and if it is i'd love to hear from you so you know tag me on linkedin share your takeaways tag me on instagram i'm going to put all the links in my show notes i love interacting with um my precious listeners and and Jules is fantastic and this is one of the reasons why i chose this conversation because she's such an easy person to speak with Jules is a sales trainer who was also um some years ago on Dragon's Den which is the british equivalent of Shark Tank and she is a force <laughs> to reckon with and this is from her podcast called the human conversations i hope you enjoy yourself and see you on the other side So let's start at the very beginning like I always do because I'm always curious because a career strategist you know this is this is big this is a very interesting question for you as a career strategist because what was it that you wanted to do when you first left education So good question Jules when I first left education because there's stages right there's school there's college and there's masters yeah. when I left school um which was 17 18 i was very clear that i wanted to work in human resources i just knew it so that's wow. what i wanted to do and that's what you do now yes yes i did that for a good part of 20 years and um careers people love all of that the good the bad the ugly the messy um and yeah privileged to be doing what i love it does not mean it's been easy or without doubt because at every step of the way when things don't go your way and in my case for example you know i, I want to do this i want to work in this company i want to do this program from this university and you get rejected the first reaction is ah oh, yeah something's wrong with me uh so instead let me do something else and that happened with me and i um got seduced by a fantastic program in journalism in one of the best colleges in india and i'm like i'm going to do that a little you know when we're 18 we think we know everything right we think we've got everything figured out we're arrogant and the arrogance of youth i call it uh but thank god better sense prevail that hey you know if you study this subject like for example sociology you can do more in life but if you study something narrow like journalism you sure you want to you really sure so yes i knew what i wanted to do but you know all those little obstacles the best one being self doubt which is a big one 
they creep up and they have crept up the whole time. So did they kind of divert you slightly, even though you came back on course? Is that what you were saying? So did you actually do the journalism program? I didn't, but I very seriously considered it. And I went through, you know, you have to go through a bunch of entrance exams. You get invested in it. And then you're like, oh, I've got in now. It's sunk cost. Like I have to do it. Do I really want to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, so so just because there it looks like there's clarity from the beginning, it's not always what it looks like. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I'll probably come back to your kind of career and work side of later in the conversation. But I obviously want to start with a little bit more about you because uh, were you born in India? Yes, born and bred, originally yeah. from New Delhi, lived my whole life there till I was 26. One of the things I seem to remember you saying was that you hadn't traveled, hadn't traveled, hadn't gone anywhere. And then all of a sudden, you've literally been all over the world. So I'd like to explore that with you, really. Yeah, yeah. Life is so funny. And uh, you you tend to think, oh, everyone's going everywhere but me. Why not me? And life is passing you by and people take these great flights and you're like, oh, I'm never going to be able to afford to fly like that. So um, what happened was um, I was 25, almost 26 when I got married. And um, the guy I was seeing who ended up becoming my husband had a brilliant opportunity while we were dating to do marketing and head marketing for South America for his company. And I had just got promoted at GE Capital. I was in HR, you know, living the dream and decided, oh, that's fantastic. So after we got married, like literally within two months after we got married, I followed him. So I became the trailing spouse. I don't like the term because trailing makes me feel like, you know, I'm I'm coming along for the ride. I don't have any power. I don't have any, like my own value feels diminished, but in essentially you know, in layman's language, that's what it was. And uh, moved to the other side of the world, which is Uruguay in South America. And uh, one year later in Chile, Uruguay is on the east part of uh, South America, tiny little football shaped country between Brazil and Argentina. And I had to see all of this on the map. And uh, Chile's on the western, uh, you know, the Pacific coast. So it was like, okay, this is so interesting. Like this part of the world so exotic never been here and uh, then came to Europe to study and do my MBA and traveled all around Europe uh, you know so it's just be open you just don't know where life is going to take you no, I think when I've kind of been a real home girl, I haven't really traveled. I went off on Mediterranean holidays, as most of people in the UK do at some point, you know, but I went to the US for the first time when I think I was 51, you know, so it took me a long time to do a big flight, as I call it, you know, so it's quite interesting. And I always think to myself, she went from India yeah. to Uruguay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I feel yeah. scared and I feel fear. And yet there you are saying it was a wonderful, exotic place. And so, I mean, what did you feel really? I what loved it. Love I, it? Yeah. I loved it. I was just one of those people who was born for adventure and didn't have any. So I, I, I got adventure through talking to people and anybody I'd meet who was from ab- abroad when, when I was in India, I asked them like a hundred questions. And um, what is it like? What is it like living there? So I think that just curiosity part was that thirst was very much quenched. Um, and 
everyone's different. My thing was make the most of it. We know it's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And um, you have two types of people, Jules, when you go abroad and you live for a little while, um, you know, in the expat circles, you'll have the ones who integrate and then you have the ones who segregate. Mm. So the segregate will be like, you know, so let's say the Brits hang out with the Brits. They go on holidays together to the same place. Their kids go to the British school and everyone speaks English all the time. And then you have the integrate, which is like, I want to learn as much as possible about the local culture. Yes, there are a ton of Indians here um, from my husband's company. I could hang out with those wives and, and become one of them and learn cooking and all the new skills I should be knowing because I'm a housewife so-called I was like uh actually I don't want to do that (laughs) and travel as much as possible and the best decision I made thank goodness was pick up the books and start learning Spanish Uh, because that was one way to get an entry into the labor economy by being productive I wanted to my my definition of productive was am I earning something for myself because I've always been you know Uh, financially independent and it's something that I was that's important to me we all have our values I'm not saying that those who were not working uh, you know they're not important or what they do is not important but it's different right and for me that's my 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 yardstick Uh, am I financially independent because I respect myself a little bit more and I don't want to be a burden on other people. So this rubs people the wrong way because they're like, hey, what do you mean? You know, I'm ringing up the next generation and it gets a little heated, this debate. I'm like, it doesn't have to be a debate. You can do one, you can do the other. Just be happy. Just make a choice and be happy. If you have a regret, that means you weren't happy. And the last thing you want to do is resent your child or resent your partner because you gave up or you sacrificed your career. And I didn't want to be that person. So. I did. I, I would say our strategy was, it sounds so cool, but when we were in it, we didn't think we had any strategy. You just go with the flow. I think the strategy was always make friends with the locals as much as possible. And that was done through three things. Volunteering, heck of a lot of volunteering, because suddenly there was a lot of time on my hands and a volunteering at the local church. Um, and, you know, the Indians would be like, but you're not Christian, you're a Hindu. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> Volunteering. People are people everywhere. And, and, you know, they need help, whether it's teaching English or whatever. So one was volunteering. The second was um, learning Spanish. Because when you have this um, habit of getting up every day, going to a language school, meeting people, you go through class, 90-minute class. At the 45-minute mark, there's a little break. Talk to people during the break, have tea, coffee, water. Uh, so that was a great way to, you know, integrate as well. So that wasn't locals. Those were other expats like me. So I, I was, you know, very satiated with that. So voluntary, um, learning uh, English, um, learning Spanish. And the third was working. And I couldn't get a job properly, the one, the kind of job I wanted. So I started teaching English because that was the only job apparently I was qualified for. Amazing. Um, and when you're teaching English, you're teaching English to locals. Yeah, so you're then mixing in with the locals, which is kind of where you wanted to be anyway, isn't it? Yes. I love this. This is so good. And and it's so interesting how you said, well, we didn't really think we had a strategy at the time, but look at that as an amazing strategy. I love that. So then, um, was it very long? How long did you stay over into the South America? Uruguay Uruguay was one year and Chile was two years. So total three years. And this was, Jules, if you remember, um, before so BC before children so life before children I 
don't remember what we did with our time, but apparently three years of our married life was before children and Amazing. we were in South America. <laughs> Amazing. So you moved to Europe from there? We we moved to Europe um, with a little pit stop in India because I was um, heavily pregnant. And uh, I, you know, we went to India for six months, um, had a baby number one, and then he was a four-month-old, uh, tiny little uh, newborn when I came when we came to Europe uh, for my MBA program. So I followed him twice to Uruguay and to Chile, and uh, we both were very uh, keen for me to do my MBA. And I was very confused, Jules, frankly speaking, because I was like, you know, I also want to be a mom. I think this is the right time. You know, you feel it in your body and I know that men have it as well it's this uh, this maternal paternal thing um where you're like I'm ready yeah. you know not everyone feels that way but when you are ready you're ready and I was like how will we do that and MBA I can't do both and my husband said we'll figure it out let's yeah. let's do both so came to Europe to study and he was a, a four-month-old and I was doing a full-time MBA program I, do you know something? Our, our stories become quite um, similar in this at this point, I think, because I was working with my ex-husband. <laughs> He's yep. my ex-husband yep. um, in his business and pregnant with Sam. And when I had Sam, uh, it was m- the most amazing thing in the world. And I was yep. 35 years old, you know, yep. so I was later on in life. Like you say, I had this oh, I'm ready. I'm, I want yeah. to have a baby now. Um, and as soon as I had him, it was just the most wonderful thing. I fell in love with him, wanted to be with him. But after three months, I knew I needed to do more. I needed to be Jules and not just Sam's mum. It was just yeah. in me. And I think yeah. you're probably very similar by the sounds of it. So at three months, I started business. At four months with yes. your baby, you start yes. your MBA. So it's kind of like we're, it's yeah. quite a synergy there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The body is going through so much transformation. You just pushed out a human being out of you. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know, it's still barely recovered, but I'm already like, I'm itching for uh, what else can I do? And and just, you you summed it up perfectly. Yes, yeah, it's, it's such a driver, isn't it? So MBA, I want to know about this. What happens? What do you do? What does it mean? Because I know it's a big thing. I know it's such a big thing. Tell us about that. So, you know, Jules, it was something I wanted to do. I I always wanted to study business and understand how things actually work behind the curtain and not from the junior implementation side, which I always had. I wanted to understand, you know, the leadership and put all of those jigsaw pieces together. Uh, So the learning was fantastic. Can you get that learning without the MBA? Yes, you can, 100%. And you'll be, you know, your wallet will say thank you. <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not a cheap program. Um, there's the learning side of it. There's the social side of it. Um, and because the social side results in a lifelong network, lifelong access to certain people, certain groups that you wouldn't have otherwise. And I wanted that for sure. What happened with me was very unique because I was one of the very, very, very few people who who came in um, with a, a child, you know, and, and not um, a man who came to study um, because the wife was taking care of the, the kids, kid or the kids. But in my case, the woman coming to study and, and my husband um, was very lucky to get transferred by his company to Europe and whatever he was doing in South America, you know, he said to the boss, I can do the same thing in Europe uh, because we haven't, we happen to have a need. And they said, sure. So that was lucky because we were together. And 
during that time, it was about one year. And I can't understand how I made it work. It was a very intense period. I, I mean, that's an understatement because you're studying all day in classes and then you have group work. Um, and then, you know, go home, pick up the baby from the, the part-time sort of nanny we had who would be helping out at her house. She was like this lovely grandmother um, figure, um, you know, with, with him. And um, I cannot tell you the two things that really impacted me. Number one was three things. Number one, I don't understand how I managed time so efficiently. I think sometimes when you don't have a choice, you just do it. You just do it. Mm. And you don't think that you're doing it. Like we said in South America strategy, we don't know it, but I was just in smack in the middle of it. Mm. And most of the time I was alone because, you know, husband was working full time. It was a very long commute from uh, where the MBA school is, which is in Fontainebleau, south of Paris. And he would take the metro to central Paris. So, you know, for him going and coming, it was a full day he'd be out. So it was essentially me taking care of my studies and, and the baby during that time. Um, so number one, what I want to say is, uh, I didn't feel like I fit in the whole time. And it's such a pity because that held me back. Um, I thought that, you know, these are people who are coming from, you know, finance subjects. They're, you know, already working at the McKinsey's of the world and they've already done banking and all of that stuff. And I struggled with some subjects, so I didn't feel like I fit in. So because I felt that I didn't fit in. I held myself back from events or volunteering or anything like that, which is, which is a pity. Mm. Um, and, and I think, yeah, I mean, I wish I could change that. So that was one of the regrets. I think we talked about once in our, in our clubhouse room, yeah. um, because the self-belief wavers in our life. And um, when I talk about this story, I feel a little more open to talk about it now, but back then it was very raw um, because it's been a while. I graduated in July, 2009. So we're recording this in July, 2021. Yeah. So it's been a good 12 years. Uh, and in these 12 years, there's been a five-year reunion and a 10-year reunion. And I didn't go to either of them. Because I just felt like I didn't belong. Oh, that's so and it's sad. so it's so silly. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I was there, I felt number one guilty a lot. Ah, uh, you know, baby, how are you doing everything? So that mom guilt, dad guilt, whatever, parent guilt. That's yeah. real. That's yeah. very real. And and the second, um, lack of confidence. Don't feel like you belong. So you know, outwardly there would be a show of confidence, but deep down, like you know, shaky. Um, so yeah, it it was what it was, but managed to graduate, um, quite successfully considering everything that I'd been through. And when I say successfully, I don't mean with grades and stuff like that, because I really uh, struggled with some subjects. When I say successfully, I mean, I graduated right in the midst of a huge financial crisis. If you remember, um, 2009, so that was I mean, after COVID, definitely that was the worst time to graduate. Yeah. And I managed to get like five serious offers from some fantastic companies, you know, two of them in the UK, in fact, um, and in Paris and, and, and Zurich. 
And I was like, wow, I have the luxury of choice. Like what is going on? So I felt like all of the stuff that I'd been through, it kind of made up for it by just having a choice and not being in that position where, okay, I've just graduated. I don't have a job in hand. Do I go back to India? I don't, I didn't, we didn't feel ready to go back to India yet. Uh, we also, you know, you have to, you have to see some return on investment. It was a very expensive program and I wanted to start working so that I could, you know, feel better about spending thousands of euros um, on something that I didn't see an ROI on. Yeah. Um, and I think that if I had to, you know, dissect it, the thing that helped me was just razor sharp focus on, you know, okay, what do I need to do to graduate? And second, I don't have any network. I don't know anybody in Europe. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out uh, to people on my own. And I'm in the CV book. Okay. Uh, somebody called me because they saw me on the CV book. Okay. Um, they want to meet. They want to do a phone call. And I would say things like, hey, why don't I come over and see you? You know, so I would do that at my own expense. These were longish trips. And I would, you know, take care of um, financing these myself. Those things, when I did them repeatedly, they made a huge difference because I also had the hat of an HR person, right? So mm. I also knew what they're looking for. I've been on the other side. So all of that helped and um, it was definitely worth it. I think it's so interesting listening to you because I sort of sit here thinking that was some painful stuff actually right there that you've described, you know, emotionally painful stuff. And how cool would it have been if we had never made the assumptions that we made, we'd never thought the things that we think, which are basically internal things, you know, what else could have happened? However, Look what did happen, even with all of that going on. So how amazing is that? I mean, it's truly inspiring that you've done that, you know, so now. It, it really is, it is. is. And, you know, it took, and anyone who's listening and you're like, oh gosh, I, I can relate with it. Um, I, And, you know, people are like, yeah, but you come across as so confident. Really? Like this, like, first of all, don't judge the book by its cover. Yeah. <laughs> and, and secondly, um, it took a coach that I was working with in October, 2019. So this is 10 years because I graduated in 09, 10 years later, when we, when we um, peeled back all the layers of everything that I'd been through. And I had, you know, just a few months ago, skipped the 10 year reunion because I was busy, you know, <laughs> I was like in courts. Yeah. I have other stuff. Yeah, sure. And these were excuses. Um, and with her, I worked it out. How much of that fear was actually, you know, true? Like, yes, you did struggle. Yes, the group, that little working group that I was with, they used to judge me because I didn't really contribute. And I was called things like a freeloader. Like that hurt me so much because I always felt like I want to do my best, but I didn't understand certain subjects. So I was like, let them take the lead. What do I need to do? And I'll do bare minimum just to graduate because I Honestly, between a baby and, and not following subjects, I was full-fledged yeah. full traumatized. So it, what I'm saying is it took 10 years for me. And if if I can help with, you know, anyone who's listening and are like, if there's one thing you remember from this conversation and nothing else, please don't take 10 years like me. And if it has been 10 or 20, you've got control mm. and doubt and self-belief is a choice. Mm, absolutely is a choice. And, you know, the, 
it's easy, isn't it, for us to say, oh, gosh, why did we take so long? But then when you also look at it, you had to go through certain parts of that journey to come to where you are today, ultimately. Same with my journey. In 2009, I was getting a job again, having lost my business and had a bankruptcy and and lost everything. Um, Same year as you again. How weird are these little synergies we have? And so I was starting again in 2009 without an MBA. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have loved to have had one of those. That might have given me more choice. And I was sort of going back, I felt I was going back 10 years previous to doing a job I'd done 10 years before. And I felt terrible. My pride was in the gutter. You know, yes. oh my goodness. This yeah, is yeah. And, and you and I have talked before, right? Because you came on my live stream, Supercharged Fridays on LinkedIn. And you mentioned you'd been laid off three times. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. So have I. So yeah. that's another thing. <laughs> another, thing. another thing we have in common. Yeah. So going back to the uh, the journey, you talked about the MBA you took in Paris, did you? In France, was it? Yes. yes. What brought you to Belgium, which is actually where you now live? So that's um, the on campus recruitment that was going on and uh, one of the five offers that I was lucky enough to have was with uh, a Dutch telecom company in Belgium so that brought me here and I um, if anyone's listening who has a choice which is a great place to be but it does have its own set of problems like how do I choose between A and B Um, for me it was very clear I chose number one the position was meaty enough and number two, the boss. There was this lovely British uh, gentleman that we just got along, he and I, when, when we met. Um, so the position and the working culture based on my interaction with the boss and the other people that I'd interviewed with. And uh, location helped for sure because there were certain, you know, after having moved so much, I wanted to be in a position, uh, in a in a location where my husband could follow me easily again without, you know, too much of disruption. So mm. that's what brought us to Belgium. I love that. So at what point did you start your own business then? Much later. I Between starting, I got laid off um, twice. So this Dutch telecom company, it lasted, I mean, with my role lasted only a couple of years because they had a change of management. And, you know, we all know what happens with change of management and new priorities. And they asked me to move to The Hague in the Netherlands. And I said, no, I was like, that's ridiculous. We're like, we've done five moves in six years. So mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I, I wanted to work again, Jules. I was not able to find work. So 2011 was a little difficult. And we decided, okay, you know, um, it's not happening. So what do I do? We were also, you know, uh, trying for our second kid. And then when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, am I going to be that person that starts in a new company with a slowly expanding tummy and in six months, I'm out. I just didn't want to do that. I did, it didn't feel like it was for me. Um, so I took a break, Jules, quite a sizable break of two and a half years, which may or may not seem like a lot to someone listening to us, but when you've just been through a very expensive MBA, two and a half years feels like, wow, what am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. Like I love as much as I love my baby, but diapers, uh, laundry, feeding, baby food, all of that stuff. That was my life during that period. And then uh, I was ready to get back to work. And I, you know, your confidence is in the gutter, like you said, when you've been away for so long. Uh, But luckily, thanks to LinkedIn, it's thanks to LinkedIn a few times, actually, because in Chile, when I was working uh, at PwC, it was because of uh, 2006. It was thanks to LinkedIn because there was a serendipitous moment um, where I met someone thanks to LinkedIn. So uh, 
I got headhunted by a company and uh, which was in the mining and chemical business. So I worked there for about yeah, a couple of years. It didn't last long again because there was massive restructuring and my position was made redundant. So I had made a few people redundant. Like I had uh, terminated their contracts because in nature I have to do that. Yeah. Um, but I did not expect it to happen with me. So that was a rather unpleasant business um, that I went through. Uh, and then took some more time to find the next one. And then again, got hunted again by a food ingredients company. And that was for two years, Jules. And that was as much as I learned. And it was interesting. It was also a period where I was very unhappy. And I didn't find that my role had any impact. Yeah. So it took a lot of courage for me to say, actually, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, without a job in hand, I had no job in hand. And I decided I don't want to do this anymore. So when I quit, this was 2018 and I had no prospects nothing I reached out to a bunch of people and they all were very interested they said oh you're so in you know wow you're so exotic and you speak all these languages because I'd learned to speak French fluently when I came um, to Europe so I had French I had Spanish and I had worked in all these interesting countries and I said okay that's thank you you know so where are the jobs like yeah. <laughs> where are the jobs like show me the money there was absolutely nothing so i I called 2018 my year of being lost, yeah. um, very lost. And I decided, okay, there are no jobs coming my way. So I either wait around for something to happen or I just create something. So that's how little by little the journey started. It took a long time though. I'm not one of those people that dove in. I thought I was like my confidence. I will just dive in. Apparently with me, it's been um, very uh, twisty and, and squiggly. Um, what I decided to do was this is July. Again, we're coming back to July. So this is July, 2018. I said, okay, what do I know how to do? I have learned a lot in HR. I've learned a lot of insider secrets that people need to know because they need help. And I used to get these questions a lot and I'd, you know, pro bono volunteer a bunch of times with people. And I thought, what if I could package all of it and put it on a YouTube channel? and you know, in small videos, share what I know and which are solving a certain question that people have. There's a specific problem. I'm going to solve that through a video format. Let's see what happens. So that's what I did in 2018. I released a couple of videos and nothing happened. No one was really watching. It is except a bunch of friends and family who kind of felt sorry for me, but it didn't go anywhere. It was a complete dud. So I continued to do it up until 2019, so, you know, for a few more months. And I got very discouraged. So I said, okay, leave it. I'm going to go to LinkedIn because maybe that's where my peeps hang out. So I went to LinkedIn and I took the same content and I created it like native, you, you know, LinkedIn content so that they didn't always have to go to YouTube to see my videos, but I would also create videos specially for LinkedIn. And that is what made the difference. So that is when people would reach out saying, hey, I read this article of yours or I watched this video of yours. Can we talk? And what happened is, you know, when you've been through a period of like turbulence and self-doubt, you can't really understand why somebody would want to work with you. Like, like, you want to talk to me? Yeah, I want to talk to you. So one by one, they started coming and then I realized, okay, apparently I'm a, I'm a career strategist. <laughs> you are. You are, though. So that's the short version. Honestly, if you look at 
everything you've talked about in this podcast, you're absolutely a career strategist just because of that journey and all those things you've done and the experiences you've had, you know, it's incredible. And, and you would be someone I would definitely want to talk to if I thought career because of that story of what you've experienced. I think it's so interesting. We sit, I've done this myself and I've said, everybody knows what I know about sales, you know, and, and, and you can't believe that people would not know something you know so why would you even be able to help them you know they call that the they apparently it's called the curse of knowledge <laughs> but we have to embrace it like you said don't we so so i love this and also of course linkedin brought linkedin live on on stream didn't they um which was a new feature which i'm still which waiting to get yeah yeah there's a very interesting yes i know i i feel for you if if anybody deserves linkedin live it's you um it's a very funny story behind it because i um applied to linkedin live when i saw others having linkedin i'm like oh that would be so awesome to do right so i applied cuz you know the listener who if the, the viewer if they don't know you have to apply unlike twitter youtube facebook you can go live on most platforms but for linkedin it's a bit of a process so i applied in november 2019 and um didn't hear back like except the usual standard reply then i applied in december 2019 same reply i applied in january 2019 and that is what something very interesting happened i don't know if there's a correlation but i like to think that there is um i released a video on my linkedin and and my youtube remember it's 2020 so i still like had like three views on my youtube nobody was watching i released this 2 minute video saying so this was 1st of jan 2020 and you know i call that the period of hope because covid was not a thing no. we all have these huge plans for our life and for our career etc so i released this video talking about new year's new year resolutions and i said what a sham they are they don't really work what if instead um you focus on um one micro goal and you do that the whole year and 365 days you just focus on that micro goal and that's it so i said okay i'll give you my example because i wanted to get the juices flowing and that video did really well on linkedin but not on youtube and why am i talking about youtube again and again i'll come back to that later because i know you know um something hilarious happened i do i do something hilarious happened with youtube later and i said my micro goal for example is what if i could help one person a day whatever that looks like if i'm driving and they want to cut through and go in front of me or you know in a supermarket line that's fine help one person a day you don't know what they're going through and i just left it and i kid you not it was less than 2 weeks later um again i applied i think i applied like 3 or 4 times to linkedin and i get i get a email saying hey you're accepted and i said fantastic fantastic um i feel like maybe that was somewhere some universe listing uh because i've been live ever since so 17th of january 2020 friday was my first uh edition of hashtag supercharge fridays i was live i was alone in a room i was awkward as heck <laughs> went for it anyway and those days you know you didn't you couldn't see comments you had to only you know you could only see comments on your phones so it was even more awkward and that has now today is friday we're recording this and it's 80 weeks 80 80 weeks of going live and i 
love it. Uh, and you're very, very good at it as well. Because I've been on your show and it, is, it was so natural and it flowed so beautifully. At the same time, you're putting all these whizzy things up on the screen and, and, and you're answering people and noticing comments. I'm thinking, my goodness me, this woman can multitask. It was so, <laughs> so impressive. It really was. So we will make sure the link is in this this um, podcast so that people can actually connect with you and come and listen to you on Fridays because you are super interesting to listen to. It's so much fun. Um, so that's LinkedIn Live. Now, tell us about this video that was on YouTube with just three views. <laughs> what happened? Yes. Tell us, so, tell us what happened. It was very slow, right? And what happened was every time I was live on LinkedIn, you have the option to go live on two platforms. So I would be like, okay, I'll be live on YouTube. So um, I was going live on YouTube at the same time. But like I said, nobody was really watching. The only way I was feeding YouTube was as an afterthought. Like, oh, I've released a video on LinkedIn. It's done really well. Oh, yeah, let me release it to my dormant YouTube, <laughs> you know, YouTube subscriber population, which was like barely nothing at the time. Um, and so that was the only way I kept it semi-active. Um, now, I don't know why. I will never know why. I, I, I'll never understand it. In February uh, 2021, which is two and a half years after starting the YouTube channel, which was, you know, sort of semi-dead, one video of mine, which was related to salary negotiation, I suddenly started getting comments like, with dozens of comments that this is a great video and it's helped them to get a job. And they, you know, they never thought they could negotiate, but they negotiated their salary and they went up, you know, huge percentage increases. And I said, that's nice. And I'm like, what? 13,000 views. Oh, that's interesting. Like, when did that happen? And I left it because I was like, who cares? Right. Because YouTube is very strict. If you want to monetize your channel, you need a certain number of subscribers and views. And I was still very far away from that. Um, and the entire month of February, the graph of my YouTube analytics is so funny. It went up like this crazy, um, what is the best word to describe it? It was like such a steep curve. Um, so YouTube started pushing it. It's called suggested videos. Uh, that's how it, it knows, hey, something is going on with this channel. Yeah. Let me push it. So YouTube started becoming my friend. And I always thought YouTube hated me. So... <laughs> The moral of the story is I had John Esperian on my podcast in March 2021. So this was one month after it had gone crazy viral. It was still very fresh. So he was talking to me on my podcast and he talked about his mentor. He said, when you start something, whether it's a blog or a channel or um, any you know video related thing, you need to keep showing up consistently for 30 months and it will be noticed it will be noticed provided you're good and you're solving a real problem mm. and when we were talking it was March 2021 and I had started the channel in September 2018 you don't have to be a math wizard when I was listening to him like I had like complete like goosebumps, goosebumps on my arms because it was September 2018 March 2021, it was exactly 30 months. Amazing. So I was like, there's something something to the theory there. So there's something. So I, I came to the conclusion, 
you just got to show up till you blow up. Yeah. Yeah, but you have. And this whole regular, you know, relevant and, um, you know, so that it's consistent. I think those three things is why people then suddenly get used to you. You become familiar. They know what you stand for. They know what your message is. And all that stuff is amazing. And that's when real things happen, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and just to complete that story, so that video, just that video alone, yeah. helped me to monetize the channel. Uh, it's now sitting at 720,000 views. <laughs> I'm like, what? And I have like 56,000 subscribers and counting like nice. every day. They're in- and it's all thanks to a freaky thing. So you you just don't know. No, you don't. And I love that story. It's just such a great example, isn't it? There you have it. How I got started as a career strategist. Was there really a strategy? <laughs> How did I get started on YouTube and LinkedIn? So share your favorite takeaways with me. I'd love to hear them. And if you found this podcast useful, please share it with three of your closest friends. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. See you next time. Bye for now.